0: so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, and welcome back to Rejuvenated Women, impeccable health for high-performing women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and I'm super excited to be joined today by Regina Andler who is a life strategist, and she says she helps people figure out who they want to be when they finally grow up, right? But her her specialty is well in line with what we talk about on this show. She helps women over the age of 40 who have been taking care of everyone but themselves and have discovered that they would really like to start taking care of themselves now, figure out how to do that. So Regina, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate being here today. Yeah, so I'm excited, you know, when we connected, I I brought up like a lot of what I talk about is this concept of selfless syndrome, where we're taking care of everyone and everything except ourselves, whether it's kids or parents or, you know, volunteer work, like all that. And and we lose that ability to focus on ourselves. Um, and so I was excited to have someone else join this conversation with me because sometimes I feel like I'm just having it by myself. But um, I'd love for you to just jump in and share a little bit about you, how you got to doing what the work that you do now, and you know anything else you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually just started my business last year, and I I help women basically find their best lives, you know, and live their best lives. And part of my background is I lived through it, just like a lot of us too. Yep. So I left a thirty-plus year technical career to move into what I'm doing now, and part of it was created as I was getting older and had to start taking care of my parents. And when I was, I think, I don't even know how old I was at the time, Uh, in 2000, so I'm not going to do the math right now because it's not going to happen that fast, but (laughs) in 2000, my husband and I had just moved into our brand new house in New Hampshire um, and As we were moving in, the moving truck was just moving out of the driveway when I get a call from my mother saying, your dad's in the hospital. He has congestive heart failure. We don't know if he's going to make it. And Mm -hmm. literally everything just stopped. And I I told my husband, I was like, all right, you got to deal with this. I got to go find out what I'm doing now. And from that time, 2000, to the time he passed in 2007, it was literally dad's in the hospital, mom's in the hospital, dad's in the hospital, mom's in the hospital, dad's in the hospital, mom's in the hospital. And it was just like this, this uh, leap frog between the two of them. And um, it was right after we moved in that I was taking care of my mom. My dad was my mom's full-time care- caregiver. And since he was in the hospital, I'd go down and they lived on Cape Cod. I live in New Hampshire, they lived in Cape Cod. And I'd go down and take care of her and then I come home and I was, there was a lot of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And during that time, my sole focus was take care of mom and dad at all yeah. costs. That's all I'm doing. And, uh, so in 2000, it worked out pretty well because dad did get out of the hospital. Um, but there was a very defining moment in my life when I finally realized that the roles were reversed. And that was the day we got dad, and we broke him out of Mass General Hospital. And we got into the car, and we get onto 93 to head back to Cape Cod. Mom's in the front seat, dad's in the back seat. And dad's being very quiet, you know, he just got out of the hospital. He was in there for a couple of weeks with the congestive heart failure and then some recovery and that kind of thing. And, and my mother's in the front seat, and she starts in on him, Bill, there's things in the garage, we need to take care. Of. So when, you, maybe next week you can start moving this and oh yeah, and by the way, we have to fix this. And and he's, I'm listening and he's taking in a stride and I'm just driving. I'm like, this is not gonna go good. All of a sudden, dad's like, um, I just got out of the, add explicit, explicit <laughs> expletive there. And, <laughs> and So he just yells, he's like, I just got out of the hospital. Give it a rest. And so they start going back and forth. And I'm just, I'm still driving and I'm listening. And then all of a sudden, literally, I didn't even think. It just came out of my mouth. And I said, I shouted, do not make me have to pull this car over. And I went, oh my god, did I just say that to my parents? (laughs) That was the defining moment where I knew I had just become the (laughs) parents. And from that time, like I said, it was like literally a leapfrog Then he got out of the hospital and then she was in the hospital. So I was down taking care of things because she took care of all the girl stuff in the house and laundry and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, all right, well, dad needs less care than mom. Mom needs a lot more care. But when mom's in the hospital, I still have to go down and take care of dad. And so it was a lot of back and forth. I quit, quit my corporate job that I was in because it was just overwhelming. I'm trying to work full time. I'm not taking care of me. I'm working full time. And then at nights, going down to the Cape, coming back, going to work, going to the Cape, coming back, going to work. And so anything for me just was like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll figure that out later. Now, in retrospect, don't figure it out later. Just take care of you now, because I learned a big lesson that things can go downhill really quick. And so dad Got sick at one point in 2007 and unfortunately he that was when he passed away and he was mom's mom wasn't any better she was actually a lot worse at that point point. and i made a conscious decision so it was definitely all on me to say you have two choices you can go to a nursing home or you can come up to new hampshire and live with me and my husband and of course, she did not want to go to a nursing home. She wanted to stay on Cape Cod, Cape Cod, but there was no way she could live by herself down there. And so we moved her up to New Hampshire and she couldn't do stairs or anything like that. She lived in my dining room. And so we basically outfitted her din- my dining room, which was a decent sized room. And so that was going okay for a bit. <laughs> and then her care was getting a little bit more involved. And the more involved it got and the worse she got, the more time I was spending taking care of her. So I had quit that corporate job when dad was sick and then went back to work and then quit, started my own business. And then I sold that business after dad died because I couldn't take care of my mom anymore. It was a computer business, taking doing computers. Okay. And right about at that time, it, w- it was around 2007, 2008 or so where I really started getting into and, and, and watching stuff like The Secret and that kind of thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, there's more out there with this stuff. So I started looking at that stuff and listening to other people's stories of, you know, yeah. all this stuff that I was currently doing, just like you for your listeners are are. are it's like you everybody has this story that at mm-hmm. some point in their life, whether they know there should take care of themselves or not, it just it just doesn't happen. And so I took was taking care of mom and not taking care of me at all and the worse she got the worse I got Mm -hmm. and in May of 2013 when she passed away um, that was when I really realized I had at that point I was almost 200 pounds I hadn't really taken care of myself at all I had attempted to start working out at the age of 48, which was about a year and a half before mom passed. And as when she passed, not only was my weight up there, but I was angry. I was depressed, you know, all those feelings that come along with not taking care of yourself and, you know, not bringing that self-love in for a little while after she passed i was i literally my husband would come home every day and find me in her bed watching ncis which was her favorite show so <laughs> i'd be laying in her bed watching ncis and just that i spent my days there and he'd come home and and he'd be like um honey you know you really have to leave this bed and i'll be like yeah i'm not ready yet and eventually a girlfriend of mine she was like no you need to get moving and i I'll, I'll help you move. I'm going to go do this race. And what she told me was actually kind of funny. So, and and it's been, it's been my future ever since. So she called me up and she said, I'm going to go do this race in Boston. It's at Fenway park. It's called a Spartan sprint. And I had no idea what she was talking about. I knew nothing about any kind of racing because I just yeah. didn't know anything about that. And obviously wasn't paying attention to any of it because I didn't, I didn't really care what happened. I was at the point where I didn't care what happened to me. I was just depressed, angry, overweight, telling myself, you put yourself this way and doing everything I could to put myself down because in my mind, you created this, you should have known better. Why didn't you do this? But instead of you know turning it around, I was just making myself feel worse, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: So she says to me, she goes, there's the Spartan sprint race. Just go sign up for it. She goes, I've never done one either. She goes, but it looks like fun. Let's go do it together. And, you know, she was literally trying to get me out of the bed. And I basically said, ah, what the heck? Let's go do it. Why not? So I'm thinking I have sprint cell phone service at the time. And I'm thinking, oh, so sprint's putting on some kind of race or something like that and sponsoring some race. <laughs> I knew nothing about it. Turns out a sprint race is the short version of the race. <laughs> yep. know like running a sprint I again didn't put two and two together and so I signed up and then I was like what what is this thing what are we supposed to do and she goes just go on YouTube and look it up and so I did and I went oh my god what did I just get myself into because like I said I took care of dad took care of mom And dad passed, and then mom, I'm almost at 200 pounds. And it was just about a year and a half before there, I had literally just started working out for the first time in my life in any main capacity. And that was because everybody was bugging me. They're like, what are you doing? Come work out, come work out, come work out. But it wasn't like I was training for this kind of a race. So a Spartan sprint race is an obstacle course race. And it's for a lot of people, when I talk to them, they don't know, they're like, what's, what is that? And so an obstacle course race, you're climbing up ropes, you're going over walls, you're doing the monkey bars, the rings, you're Spartan, you're throwing spears, you're, you're doing all kinds of carrying heavy things. It's all this stuff that I had no clue. And literally I was just like, you know what? I really, really, really need to do something to get me out of this funk that I'm in. And wow, talk about something way different, way out of my comfort zone, (laughs) which was where I really needed to go just to, to, you know, get back to being me. And so we went to this race and it was pretty funny. It was myself, my girlfriend, her ex-husband and his current wife. Talk about that. Yeah. Talk about that for a group, right? (laughs) It was an interesting group, interesting dynamics with the four of us. And we started going through the race and very quickly during the race, there was a six foot wall I had to go over. I had never tried to climb over a wall in my entire life. And here's this wall in front of me and I'm five, four. So I'm going, okay, well, I can, I can do this and I can hold the top of the wall, but you know I can reach my arms up, I can hit top. But now what? I have no upper body strength. I, I don't, I have no technique. I don't know what I'm doing. And I have a picture of myself from that first race that I use in presentations all the time now of my girlfriend has her hand under one butt cheek, her ex-husband has her hand, his hand on, on my other one and they're literally launching me over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing was, is that it was a, another defining moment. As soon as I got over that wall, cause I was, I was scared to death. It was only, I say now only a six foot wall. But if you've never been over a wall, you've never trained to do that, and you don't know anything about it, there's that whole height factor and everything else. And it's not that high, but still you have to go over and jump down the other side. Right. I was scared to death. And I got over, I got up to the top. That was the first challenge. We got me to the top. Now I had to get over and I'm like looking down and I'm whether you think six feet is high or not, if you're not used to it and you look down, you're like, whoa, really high. Yeah. <laughs> and so I looked down and then I was like, okay. And, and they're coaching me. They're like, yeah, no, just turn around, put your leg over here, put your hands here. You know, you can hold the top of the wall. So just, you know, hold on until you slide down till your feet hit the ground. And I hit the ground and I literally stopped. And I was like, whoa, how cool is that? I just went over a wall. And it was like this new aha moment for me. Cause I was like, well, if I can go over this wall, I could do anything. It was like, this was really cool. And by the time I got done that race, that was like the big turnaround. I needed to do something dramatic. And for me, it was that Spartan race to basically turn the table on myself so that I would start paying attention and start taking care of myself again because I had spent 13 years building up to where I ended, you know, when my mom passed and then I had to deal with all, you know, her estate and the house on the Cape and all that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of stuff to do. So there was just this year of all this stuff going on. And it was, it was one of those places in in your life where it's like, okay, um, yeah, I have a choice. I could just stay here and become a couch potato and just keep gaining weight and you know eat Ben and Jerry's and you know just <laughs> hang out here for the rest of my life and you know watch TV and eat ice cream and it doesn't sound like a bad idea. It's probably not gonna do me any good though. Mm-hmm. And I got done the race and I was like, wow, I did it. And they give you this medal. I've got a couple of medals right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I- And you you get this medal. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever because I was never athletic. I never started working out until I was 48. And it turns out that race was, I'm a big fan of the laws of the universe. So, Mm -hmm. and that everything happens for a reason and falls into place. So mom and dad were huge Red Sox fans. Red Sox played Fenway Park.
0: Yeah.
1: 2013, when mom passed away, the Red Sox won the World Series. Mm this race was at Fenway park three days before my 50th birthday. And so when I got done, I was like, Whoa, this just all just happened completely for a reason. And the reason was basically to get me back on track again and get me back into where I needed to be. And then from there, I kind of stayed into my tech stuff for a little while, but as I was doing more stuff, I, I started doing more training on uh, Jack Canfield type stuff and positive psychology and that kind of thing to, to do what I'm doing now. But it was, it was, it was a interesting time in my life, which I'm guessing it is for a lot of your listeners.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think there's so many gems that we can take out of just your journey and your story. You know, one being, I know a lot of us are in positions where we're caring for, you know, parents or especially, you know, COVID has also brought on a lot of Mm -hmm. stress and pain and fear. And, you know, I've got more than one client who's lost a parent, you know, Mm -hmm. from, from what's happened in the last year or, you know, not been able to see them or have taken their, their, you know, older parents in um, and just going through that. So, you know, I, I just appreciate you coming on and sharing kind of that, your experience with it and and the light that's at the other end of the tunnel. And, you know, what I love about your story with the race is like, ultimately that was about you. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't doing it for somebody or, you know, to, to you know, your friend. And, you had friends obviously that help support you. And I think that's another key that, you know, we tend to let go of our, our close friendships and relationships when we're really like not focused on ourselves. Um, and so that's that's an important piece of the pie, but I'd love to know from your perspective, like if you had to do it all over again, what would you have done differently? I don't know if this is a weird question to ask because obviously it got you to where you are, but like, if you could go back knowing what you know now.
1: um. Generally speaking, when somebody asks me if I'd ever go back and change anything, I usually say no, because I'm a believer of everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to put a butt on that. <laughs> <laughs> like it. <laughs> if I had to do the whole parent experience again and go through all of that, if I had a second chance around that, a um, couple things. First off, mom and dad love to eat a lot of junk. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time when everything was starting, I was not really I because I wasn't working out or anything like that, but I was never a really bad eater.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so growing up, I grew up with a lot of junk food and stuff like that. But then as I got older and went off on my own, I you know was better at eating well. When all this stuff happened, you know, stress starts and you start eating a bunch of junk. And and then when mom came to live with me, she's like, well, what do you want? What do you want for dinner? And I, oh, will you go get me a steak and cheese and and this and and they, you know, it's all this junk that I shouldn't be eating. And if I had to go back again, I would very consciously pay attention. Number one, because that's where the 200 pounds came from. <laughs> I would pay attention to my diet because I was just like, all right, mom, what do you want for dinner? Okay, yeah, I'll have that too. And for her, it didn't matter. She could eat basically. She was at a spot in her life where it was like, you know, whatever she wants to eat, just give it to her. And so, and even her doctors were saying that. So I was just like, it's great for her, not so good for me.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's number one. I definitely go do that. And then number two, I think I would carve out time for me every day. I literally, um, I had a baby monitor in my bedroom, mm-hmm. so anytime. I basically woke up when she woke up and there was no time for me really during the day to do certain things. I mean, I took time, but even so it wasn't time where I wasn't going, oh, I gotta do this for mom. I gotta do this for, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this. Oh, I gotta set up the doctor's appointment. I, I've gotta take care of the stuff down the Cape. I've gotta do all this stuff. There was never really a time where I said, you know what? Maybe you just need a break. And over a period of six years, you don't take a really good break for yourself on a regular basis, it starts to build up. So I think I would
0: take more breaks and, or, you know, schedule in some time for me.
1: <laughs> and yeah, definitely yeah. eat better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got it. Well, those are good, good tips. And, you know, it's, we can't control the circumstances around us, right? Like stuff happens. And if this year, last year, and I, I don't like to focus on 2020 too much, but, you know, <laughs> if the last year and a half has taught us anything is that, you know, there's stuff that's outside of our control that, just happens. Um, but it's how we show up in the face of it and, you know, what we do to keep ourselves our best version of ourselves through that, that really, I think makes or breaks the difference. Um,
1: yeah. And and there's one key thing that I teach all of the people that I work with that is basically a Canfield, um, thing. And and it's, it's a concept called E plus R equals O. It's a little equation and it's the event plus the response, plus your response equals the outcome. And when I started learning that, and that was around 2008, 2009, I got to the point where at first, when I first learned it, I wasn't really thinking about it. And then I would start applying it going, okay, well, here's the outcome. And I really don't like this outcome. <laughs> so what can I do differently? I can't change the event. I can't change the fact that mom is sick and I'm her full-time caretaker. And then I, and then I realized, well, you can, you could put her in a nursing home.
0: Yeah.
1: So, and, but I said to myself, that's not something I want to do. So I made that choice. So I said, okay, well, if I made that choice, then how can I change my response to get a better outcome? Now, (laughs) as I went through taking care of mom, I didn't necessarily make my responses (laughs) what they should be to (laughs) make for better outcomes until after the fact. But, you know, I learned a lot in the process that, you know, you have control over your responses, you have control over your attitude and how you decide to show up is hundred percent you. So no matter what's going on, but you really have to be conscious about it. Yeah. You go through the day-to-day stuff and you just get, I got wrapped up in taking care of mom and I would, didn't take time to stop and think about well, what is this meaning to me and you know what's what's happening to me because of all of this that's going on and I think I would have paid a lot more attention to you know the other the flip side of thing the, the me side of thing you know I at first it sounds kind of selfish but it's yeah. not because but, right. it, 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 but it's not because if you don't take care of you you know in retrospect you know I got through taking care of mom until she passed but in and in retrospect I'm like, I felt kind of selfish at times if I took any time from me, cause I was like, no, I should be here for mom. This am supposed to be mom's caretaker in retrospect. Now I'm like, no, taking care of me was just as important as taking care of mom. So if yeah. I did have to go back and do it again, that's another thing that I would absolutely do.
0: And I think that's such an important distinction because as women, you know, we're nurturing and we want to care for everybody and whether it's the stage where, you know, we have little kids or, um, you know, like I went through this, I'm a mom of an eight-year-old, and then I've got three stepsons who are teenagers and chaotic in their own way. But you know, it's like we guilt trip ourselves if we're like, I just need a flipping afternoon by myself. Like I need an hour, whatever it is. And but we let it get to that point where it's like we're gonna flip out or you know, have a, a major emotional reaction just because we've pushed it so far. And so when you, you know, regularly schedule time for you. And it doesn't have to be a guilty thing. You're not a bad parent. You're not a bad caretaker. You're not a, a bad anything. It it allows that, like you to be a better version of yourself for them. And so you're actually a better caretaker and a better mom, but it's like, you have to switch that thinking. And I, I haven't really figured out where that thinking comes from. It, like it's some societal thing, I think that's ingrained in us that, you know, I don't know if you have any insight there, but. Yeah,
1: it, it really is. I mean, there, there are some stereotypical um you know, female roles and, you know, we're, we're more nurturing. So, um, yeah. women versus men I mean, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, that book, and different things right. that are out there. I mean, there is absolutely a difference between men and women, and us women are more nurturing. And it's not that it's our job to do it, it's we're the first to step up to the plate because it's just natural for us. Right And, and because of that, you know, we, we sometimes get ourselves into hot water with ourselves because of that. And, you know, we need to really take a step back and, and pay attention to what we're doing to ourselves. I mean, n- knowing what I know now, I know that there were all kinds of obvious signs that I needed to stop and take a break for myself. You know, I would, I would never Really, um, well, <laughs> me and mom butt, head, butt heads a lot of times. I was going to say I'd never yelled at mom, but <laughs> she yelled at me, I yelled back at her. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> but we, we'd have our moments. But, you know, it was, it was like, you know, I get to the point where it's like my husband and I was, I'd be like short with him. And, you know, that quick anger reaction and, you know, depressant, depression and, depression other things that were there were all signs that I wasn't taking care of myself, but I wasn't paying attention to them. I was just allowing it and moving on to the next thing. And it, had I paid attention to the signs, I would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, time to go get a mani-pedi and get, get some downtime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and no, I mean, I've experienced that. I'm sure every woman listening to this has experienced when you just like we know it went too far but it you know, and another thing i was going to bring up just in what you shared is like we get this victim mentality or victim mindset of like well, i don't you know and, and that becomes excuses i don't have time for me i don't have time to do this but then like we gotta accept and acknowledge like we have a choice in any given moment and you know we can also choose the things that are going to help us be the more balanced the loving patient, wife, mom, and
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There's, there's a quote that I use all the time. It's from a band called Rush. I don't know if you know the band Rush. I've heard of it. Um, Yeah. But it's, it's from one of their songs. And and it says, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And I love that line because so many of us do that all the time. We're like, well, I can't make a decision right now. And it's like, that was a decision. So, if you chose not to do anything about it, remember that was all you, that was hundred percent you saying, you know what, I'm not gonna do it. If you don't like the outcome, change the response. That's all, that's all to you. Yeah. Nowadays, now knowing what I know, and again, it was years like 2007 on was when I started really my journey of, you know, learning what I know now and why I do what I do now. Um, because as you go through that, It took a long time before I even got comfortable with saying, you know what, I'm good with my choices. And if I make a choice and I get an outcome that I don't want, I don't blame somebody. I don't complain about it. I just go, wow, crappy choice. Maybe I should make a better better one next time. (laughs) (laughs) I was was like, well, that wasn't good. Uh, Let's try something else. But I don't, I don't beat myself up over it anymore. Have you ever had like one of those things where you're like, you did something and then like for weeks, you're going, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that or whatever. It's that's you beating yourself up. And, you know, I have a, I have this, I have this sign here. It's backwards, but it says I am worthy. And, and it took me a long time to go, you know what? No, 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 no. This is, it's good. It's not being selfish. It's me taking care of me. And if I don't take care of me, then I'm not here anymore. And so, what was the sense of that?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so there is value. It's not being selfish. I mean, you can move it to the selfish side.
0: There's a line.
1: There's a line. line. (laughs) You can move it there. But I mean, you're in the, you know, taking care of you is just important. It's taking care of the kids and taking care of the husband, taking care of the parents. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a dog and a cat, you know, taking care of the animals, (laughs) taking care of whatever needs to be taken care of. I still take care of it, but I take care of me too.
0: Yeah. Love it. So... You know, for anybody listening to this and maybe they're in a tough situation with parents or kids or you know whatever life threw at them in the last two years like where what advice do you have for them in just starting somewhere like what's what's the first step if you're like how am i supposed to fit this into my day where do we start be aware
1: every, every morning when i wake up i literally don't set a foot out of bed before i set my intentions for the day and i get up every morning wake up and I just literally lay in bed and go, okay, what is all the stuff that needs to get done? And what is all of the junk that might interrupt what I have to get done and basically screw up my day? And what am I going to do? And how am I going to allow myself to feel if that happens? Am I going to get angry? Am I going to start blaming people? Am I going to, you know, whatever? I, I set an intention every morning and a lot of people just jump out of bed and they just start with their day. And when you do that and you don't take, some time in the morning. So it's, it's kind of, you know, start your day with some me time. And I tell people, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So if you wake up at seven o'clock and you have to get out of bed at seven o'clock, well then wake up 20 minutes early and just lay in bed and just you know, quietly. You know, it, it's it's a quiet time. You're laying in bed. Hopefully, nobody's jumping all over you. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you I'm have young there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have young kids or something like that, they might come into your room and start jumping all over you because they know you're awake. So, I mean, you know, assuming that you have uninterrupted time, that's basically the start of your day should be me time. And if you do that, it kind of sets the precedent for your whole body, for your mind, and everything else for the rest of the day. And then as things come up you can always remind yourself, yeah, you know what, I thought about that this morning. And uh, all right, so I'm going to deal with it like this, because, yeah, no, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) And you're kind of prepping yourself for anything that might derail your day. Because, you know, stuff happens, and you have that day scheduled out. I have days where it's like, back to back to back to back to back. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, somebody cancels. Somebody needs to reschedule to another time. Somebody needs to, you know, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. And it's like instead of like getting all harried about it, I can stop, sit back, and go, this is not about me. They needed to change stuff. Okay, so they need to work on my schedule and do stuff. And I very calmly just rearrange stuff mm-hmm. and take care of it. Where a lot of people you know, just, they, they freak out. They just, <laughs> you know, it's like some, something derails them and that just sets them off and they go off into a tangent. So that 20 minutes of time in the morning where you can just sit there and, you know, think about what are my intentions for the day? What do, I, I also write in a gratitude journal. So I have a gratitude journal that I write in every morning. And so I do that. And then I set my intentions for the day before I even set a foot out of bed. I and see. that helps yeah, that, that sets
0: the, uh, the foundation for the day. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Um, I do something similar, so I'll, I'll wake up and spend time in bed and I'll read my Bible or, you know, do some reflection or just like think about some stuff and it makes such a difference because on the days where I wake up later, I don't do it, you know, you notice. So I think that's a great, yeah. great first step.
1: Yeah, and when you're in the thick of it and, and things start happening, that's where it, it, it's, it's a learning process and it can be, it's, it's something that you have to change in, in your mindset. You really need to become focused on, well, where are these thoughts coming from? Because stuff starts happening and then all of a sudden you're on the path of, oh, what was me? My day's gone terrible. I did this. You know, you can get out of bed in the morning and stub your toe and say, oh my God, I stubbed my toe. My entire day is going to junk because I stubbed my toe. I'm going to have a miserable day. What a way to start a day. Oh my God, woe is me. Right. Or you could stub your toe and do your own funky little happy dance because you just stub your toe and jump around the room and go, wow, cool. I have this happy little dance and my toe doesn't hurt anymore because I wasn't thinking about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And then you get done and now you're telling everybody oh yeah you should have seen the dance i was doing in my bedroom this morning after i stubbed my toe it was awesome <laughs> i got some cool dance moves you know it's all in your attitude it's all how you choose to react to whatever it is that comes up but you yeah. have to be conscious about that and you have to think about it because you know, our instant reaction is always to go to the negative it's mm-hmm. psychologically speaking that's ingrained in us to go towards the negative because it's easier sometimes going positive is harder and so you want to make sure that you squash the negative and see all the positive out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it requires a lot more intentionality to mm-hmm. have that reaction than not. Awesome. Well, where can people connect with you if they're like, I need more Regina in my life? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a Facebook page that I send, a Facebook
1: group really? that I send people. <laughs> <laughs> a Facebook group that I send people to. And the Facebook group is find harmony, F- find harmony and balance, <laughs> sorry, the harmony and balance connection for women. And then I also just released a, uh, a brand new consumer awareness guide to finding harmony and balance in your life. And they can find that at www.findharmonyandbalancenow.com. And I don't have a product page, a service page or anything like that, because I don't, work with anybody just out of the blue. I don't have people just sign up and say, "Hey, I want to work with Regina." I have everybody have a an individual call with me to say, you know, am I right for you? Are you right for me? Do we resonate with each other? So I send them to my calendar which is www.chatwithregina.com and I do a free consultation. Not it's not even a consultation. It's more of a conversation to say, so what's up? You know, what you would know, you call me for? What, you know, obviously there's something going on. You're, you you reached out and you maybe want some training or something. What is it that that you're looking for? How can I help you? And, or can I help you? No sales, no gimmicks, it's just a, how can I help you? And then if the next call, if it goes to a next call that would be, okay, here's my products, here's my services, here's what we're doing. But that, you know, the free call is basically just a, hey, you want to chat? What's going on? Let's talk. So anybody can do that.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Regina. We got an interruption by an eight-year-old who decided that he's hungry. <laughs> you know, in the scheme of how do we react to things? There you go. <laughs>
1: did very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to join us and just share, you know, your story, your journey, the things you've learned. Um, it's, it's always great to have those connections and I'll put all that info in the show notes. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to Rejuvenated Women, impeccable health for high-performing women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Each month, I'll select one lucky reviewer to receive a special, impeccable health sample kit from me. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in my private Facebook group for high-performing women who are ready to transform their health and lives called the Tribe of Rejuvenated Women. There you'll have access to free trainings, a community of like-minded women from around the world, and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become vibrant, energetic, and on fire. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about.